chapter number 6 and verse number 12. You got your Bibles? All right, I'm glad you do because I preach out of it all the time. He says, And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and chief captains, and the mighty men, look at this, every bondman and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, in the rocks of the mountains, and in the rocks of the mountains. And said unto the mountains and rocks, look at these words, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? We pray with you, Lord, we, we ask you to give us the understanding of this. And Lord, we ask you to, as Brother Brandon sang already this morning, as a choir sang, Lord, you are worthy. Uh, God, that even that song was so perfect, goes with everything that we've talked about in the throne room, and everything that we honor you, Lord, and give you glory for. Lord, and even though we're going through these seals and the judgments are being uh, opened up upon this earth, God, you're still in control. And you're still worthy to be praised of everything that you're doing, Lord. And we ask you that you'd please speak to us tonight, uh, today. God, that you would just help us as we look into this scripture. And the Lord, we just ask you that you would just be glorified above everything, above every name today. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we ask it all together. Amen. Church, this morning we're talking about the sixth seal. There's something that I want you to see that stuck out probably more than anything else. Um, if you weren't here this last Wednesday night, you really, really missed a great time in the house of God. Uh, the preacher did preach long on Wednesday night, uh, but he can't help it sometimes. we got a lot to cover. But, man, we talked about some things, and uh, I told you about the temple coin. This is really cool just to share something with you. I told you about that temple coin I got here this morning, and one was on my desk. And I was like, that's awesome. And I, and I, and, and I told I said, you know what, this, this Wednesday I'm going to preach about a million dollars in cash in large bills. <laughs> Amen. Uh, or, or check, either one. And I was like... Man, that's good, but uh, I'll let y'all know how that turns out next week. Uh, I'm, not gonna, I'm not thinking it's going to be good, but I'll, reading this scripture, if you would, as you're sitting there, look back at chapter 6 and verse number 12 with me, and, and look down at this, and, and tell me what sticks out to you as much as it's a, it's a phrase, and it stuck out to me. It says, And I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth and of hair, of hair uh, and, uh, and the moon became as blood. Th those words really don't stick out as much because we've talked about the seals being opened. We've talked about things that are happening. Uh, we also have heard in the last probably four to ten years of our lives here in the United States about these blood moons and all these things. And I want, I want you to understand something, that th this is different, what it's talking about, things that are going on. Look at verse 13. It says, And the stars of the heaven says that they fell to the earth, and it looked like a, a fig tree that whose figs were unripened, and it says that they fell down because they were shaken of a mighty wind, like a storm blew in. It says, and the heaven departed uh, as a scroll, it's rolled together, it just closed up, everything's done, and every mountain and island removed out of their places, and, and the kings of the earth, and men, uh, great men, and the rich men, and chief captains, and mighty men, and every bondman and free man. It says, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said unto the mountains and rocks, fall on us. And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. But I want you to look at this. This is the phrase that caught me. And from the wrath of the Lamb. That caught me probably in my studies years ago more than anything. Because when you think about lambs, they're not wrathful. They're not animals that you would go, oh no, a lamb. You know what I mean? 
You don't, you don't go out into the field and play around with the lamb and go, run, they're going to eat you, you know, or they're going to get you, or don't mess with that lamb. Or you know, billy goat, yeah, I understand that. You know what I mean? I could understand if it said the wrath of the billy goat. I could understand if it said the wrath of a lion. I could understand if it said the wrath of a bear or all of these other animals or a tiger. But the word of God says it was the wrath of the lamb. And uh, it's hard for us to imagine that. But as I told you last Sunday, is that if you don't accept him in grace today and you don't trust him in love today, then you will face his judgment and wrath eventually. It may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but you will face God's judgment Eventually, the same blood that has the power to save is the same blood that will condemn you and judge you at the end. The same blood that we receive as the precious blood of Jesus Christ that paid the penalty for our sins that we come to and we receive that as our salvation and the atonement of our salvation that justifies us is the exact same blood that you walk out on and you trample on that will be judging you. It's going to judge you someday. The same lamb will be our judge. Look at what it says in the last verse. It says, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Church, there's just a few things that I want to share with you today. It's actually four things. It's actually three with just the ending of it all. The number one is this, is that there's this huge disarray in the heavens. And looking at the scripture and the sixth seal that's opening up, there's a huge turmoil or disarray that's going on in the heavens, in the heavenlies, in the, in the, in the, uh, the cosmic also, looking at it all, that, that God is in control of all these things. And don't forget, in verse number 12, it says that when the sixth seal was open, we got to remember who's opening these seals, that he still has total control. This is not just because I use the word in disarray or in turmoil or in chaos. It doesn't mean that God upon his throne or Jesus, his son, with, a, with, the, with the scroll in his hand is in chaos or in turmoil or in disarray. It means that when that seal is opened up, that the heavens and the earth become shaken by God because at the wrath or the fierceness of his wrath that it would tremble. Listen, it says in verse number 12, it says, And when I beheld... And he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, like she's shaken by what? A mighty wind. And it says, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island removed out of their places. The Bible is teaching us in this, when the sixth seal is opened up, that John now sees something that's just chaotic. He says that there's this huge chaos that's going on. He said what's, what we looked at as the first seal, the white uh, horse that came out. John saw these judgments that were coming to the earth. John saw the judgments of the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse, and all of these things. Last Sunday, you remember we talked about the fifth seal that was opened up and the martyrs, the, the souls of those martyred for the cause of, of belief and belief in God and belief in the Lamb. It says that they were underneath the throne, uh, excuse me, underneath the altar, and they were crying out for what? They were saying, Lord, how long are you going to let this go on? It's a different kind of prayer than you and I pray today. What do we pray today? Jesus said, he's been told unto you to hate your enemies. He said, I tell you to do what? Love your enemies. He's told them, you know, if they hit you, then turn the other cheek to them. If they despise you then and reject you, remember first that they rejected me is what he was talking about. Over and over and over, we're told to pray for our enemies, to reach out to our enemies, to love our enemies. And that's difficult when you look at this scripture and you go, you know what? He says that those people and their blood was crying out, no, God, get vengeance upon them. God, exact judgment against them and bring justice 
to our blood. The same way that Abel's blood cried out when Cain killed him, bring justice to our blood. Now the Bible says that when the sixth seal is opened up, that the earth and the heavens begin to shake. When we're talking about the heavens, church, we're not talking about in God's heaven. We're not talking about at the throne room of God as though when this seal was opened up that it actually made God become nervous and that things started happening there. No, we understand in the scriptures that we have a first heaven, we understand the second, and we understand that there is a third heaven that Paul talks about, which I believe to be where the presence of God is. I don't believe that that throne room was affected or shaken because of what judgment was coming. See, I believe it's just like a rock. And I believe if you were to go to Brother Reggie and Sister Patricia's today be a mighty fine day and you'll take you a rock and you throw that thing as far as you can in order to hit the middle of that pond you'll know that the ripples don't come from where you're standing but the ripples come from where what the rock was thrown and it went in okay where the rock entered into that and it came out this judgment that's coming is coming from God to the heavens and to the earth it's actually coming out, so the ripples are coming from him, but it's not affecting him as much because why? Heaven's not going to be affected by God's judgment because God's judgment is coming from there. The Bible says that there was disarray in the heavens. Look at the things that we see in this scripture. Look with me at verse 12. He says when he opened it up, the first thing he saw was he said there was a great earthquake. Look at the next thing that he says. The sun was blackened like sackcloth. He says it was blackened. It was almost as if... God turned the light switch off on the sun. The moon became as blood. It did not become blood. The Bible says that it became as blood. Stars, or even in that word stars, it's an understanding of, of, a, of a body or a, a, a material that's, that's in the sky or in the universe or in the uh, space. And it means that it could be stars or meteors. He said meteors. He said they begin to fall out of the sky. And all of a sudden, something started happening. The Bible says that when John saw it, he looked and he said it was like fig leaves and fig fruit. And all of this is like leaves being shaken from a tree in a storm. Or it was like the figs and the fruit of the first fruit that were hanging on. And it says, and they were shaken. And they were unripened. And so they should have hung on a little bit more because they were not fully ripe enough in order to just fall from the tree. It says that they were shaken. And what it's giving us a, a symbol of, church, is that it's talking about God and his judgment when it does come together. It's going to be things that catch us unaware. It's not going to be something that we always know. This past Wednesday night we talked about that we believe God is coming soon. And I believe Jesus is coming to rapture the church soon. And I believe that that's, according to scripture, that's first. And we look at these things. And some people went away this past Wednesday night going, man, it could be absolutely soon. Brother Steve, do you think it would be here? And I go, look, I don't know when it's going to be. The Bible says we don't know the hour or the day we're in the Son of Man coming. But I do understand it just like the sign that was given to Noah. And I tried to explain Wednesday is that I believe Noah never knew when it was going to rain. But I believe when he started finishing the last pegs and the last boards on the ark that he thought, it's got to be close because the boat is almost done. And I believe that Jesus is ready to come back and get the church because all the prophecies are being fulfilled and Israel is actually growing again and they're becoming a nation and they're actually showing their leaves. And so I believe God is coming soon. And that's not some kind of prediction that doesn't say that, okay, I think he's coming back in 2020. If he is, you better get ready. But he could come back. See, the Bible says that we, he could come back at any moment in the twinkling of an eye and we'd be changed, amen. And we'd take off this corruptible body and put on incorruption, amen. I love that. This mortal body will have to be put to death and we'll put on immortality. But then look at the next thing it says. It says not only that, but it says heaven 
closes like a scroll closing together. And mountains and islands are moved out of their places. Now some people look at this and they think, well, Brother Steve, a lot of revelation is symbolism. And a lot of it is literalism. And, and that's true. There are some things that we look at in Revelation. We'll understand later there's like these four frogs that come out of this thing's mouth and it's doing all this stuff. And people are going to sit there and go, oh my Lord have mercy. I'm so glad I'm not going to be here. You know, looking at all this. Some of these things are symbolism. But we've got to understand, God's talking about the earth. All of these other seals that were opened up are literal things that are going to be coming to pass. They're actually wonderful illustrations of what destruction is coming. But on the white horse... That's going to be a real person. He's going to be the Antichrist. The one that the red horse causing war, he's going to be a real person. He's the Antichrist. The black horse, the pale horse, all of that is the culmination bringing together the Antichrist is going to be here. And he's going to be physical and he's going to be literal. And you say, well, why, why do you say that, Brother Steve? Why, why, do, why don't you think it would be some kind of symbolism stuff? Well, did Jesus come? Did Jesus come to this earth in body form? You remember that Satan always mimics and copies and counterfeits everything that God does. The Antichrist is going to come and he's going to make himself as Jesus. And he's going to make himself as the Messiah. And many people will be turned away. And listen, it's a literal thing. So why would we move in these seals alone to go, okay, this is literal, but this is not literal. This is just some kind of illustration. The Bible talks about not... A big thing may fall out of the sky, or a big thing may be darkened, or a big thing may become his blood. He actually points out, just as in creation, when he said, Son, you stay right here. I'm going to screw you into your socket, and I'm going to pull the chain and turn you on. And you're going to stay right here. You're going to do these things. Moon, you're going to be the reflector. You're not going to be the greatest light. This one's going to be the greatest light, and you're going to be the lesser light. And all these things, and God put all those things into existence. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, during the tribulation time, he's going to tell the Son, All right. It's time for you to go off. You know? Wouldn't it be cool if God just said, you know, he's spoken into existence. And, and maybe for years we've had that wonderful uh, invention that God's going to do it. And he's going to go, and the sun's going to go off. Some of you from the 80s understand what I'm talking about. Clap on. Clap off. God says it's done. Listen, the moon becomes as blood, church. Listen, all these things will happen. And we look at it and we go, what, is it going to be literal? Yes, I believe so. Because the Bible says that the heavens are going to close together like a scroll. Listen, the Bible tells us that islands and mountains will be moved out of their places, which is nothing more, Brother John, than what would happen if these huge things begin to hit the earth, stars or meteors or whatever, and they begin to hit the earth, and they begin to take land and push them out into different places. We understand that waters had the power to do what? To actually create and cut and divide lands and do all this stuff. This stuff will happen and the heavens are going to be in disarray. But I want you to look at these scriptures with me today, and I'm going to try to go through them. This has been talked about all through the Bible. In the book of Isaiah chapter 13, look at verse number 9. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of the heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. The Bible says in Isaiah 34, And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. And all of the hosts, or their hosts, shall fall down as the leaf falleth from the vine, and as the falling fig from the fig tree. It's been talked about. It's been prophesied by Isaiah. But not only Isaiah, but Joel prophesied about it. Look at what it says. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. 
that, that's why I try to help people understand all the time. We're not praying for the great and terrible day of the Lord. We are saying, God, please be more merciful. Be more long-suffering. Lord, before the coming of receiving your bride, Lord, may more and more and more come to knowledge of your son Jesus through the gospel that's preached, amen? Because the great and terrible day of the Lord is when he comes to judge Israel and when he comes to judge sinners that are on the earth, amen? But not only that, but Jesus himself talked about it. Look at Luke. We talked about this Wednesday. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distresses of nations with perplexity, and the seas and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them for fear, and looking, excuse me, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. The prophets talked about it. Isaiah, Joel talked about it. Jesus talked about it. Not only that, but a guy by the name of Peter talked about it. Do you remember Peter? Peter was a guy that denied the Lord three times, but yet when he was restored, you remember he became one of the strongest spokesmen for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is standing at the southern steps of the temple that day at Pentecost after they are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God that used to be on the outside comes inside the believer. And the Bible says that when all those people came out of there, it did not say that they were preaching in other tongues. It says that they were praising God in other tongues. They were out there, some speaking in their Spanish language, saying, Glory, I Dios, glory a Dios, right? They were saying, glory to God, glory to God. And they were talking about Jesus Christo. They were saying, tu condones a Jesus Christo. And they didn't even know what they were saying. They're like, I don't know what I'm saying. Do you know Jesus Christ? Tu te quedas a Jesus Christo. Do you love Jesus Christ? They were praising Jesus for all that he had done. Listen, and what's so crazy and what's awesome about it is many of them could have just come out and they could have just been going, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And everybody in the language understands that because that's one word in all languages that mean the same. Amen? They were praising God. But then one of them said, what meaneth this? Okay? That, that's what it says in the King James. In, in our language today, it was Gamaliel, the teacher, looked over at another and said, what are they doing? You know what I mean? What meaneth this? What are you talking about, Willis? You know, what are you talking about? And the Bible says that Peter steps up on the scene and he says, listen. And he talks about Jesus Christ that is crucified. And he talks about these various things that you see before you is that the prophet Joel talks about it. That the Bible says that the Spirit of God will be poured out upon all flesh. It will be poured out on the old men. It will be poured out on the young men. It will be poured out on the old women. It will be poured out on the young women. Or if you like it, the more seasoned women. Whatever you prefer. The Bible says it's going to be poured out. Joel says, or Jesus, Peter Come on, Steve. In Acts chapter number 2, he says, But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams in the house of God as they sleep. <laughs> right? That was a joke. Golly. Look at what it says. And on my servant and my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I was talking about, Peter says, Joel talked about what we're seeing here. Saying that in the last days, God's going to pour his spirit out so strong that it's going to be like taking a huge bucket and pouring his spirit onto people. Yeah. 
And you know what he's saying? He's talking about people that come and receive him. That's why we hear him say that all that come to Jesus, all who believe on him shall be saved. It shall come to pass that whosoever would call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What God is saying, I'll pour my spirit out on you, Charlie. I'll pour it out on you, Jacob. I'll pour it out on anybody. Anybody that wants it. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit out. But listen, as Peter concludes the prophecy of Joel. The Bible says, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. There's nothing in the book of Acts, all the way through the book of Acts, that ever says that Peter, James, John, any of them ever saw the moon turn to blood or the stars fall from the sky or the sun darkened or all of these things. You know why? Because what was happening was we were moving from the cross now into what God was doing. He was saying, Israel and all nations, if you accept me, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There is no limits. There's no exemptions. I will pour it out on all flesh if you'll only believe. But if you'll read from chapter 3 of Acts all the way in to chapter number 7 and 8, you'll understand that Israel says this, we don't want you. They rejected him. And a man by the name of Stephen stepped on the scene. Deacon preacher. Amen. Amen. What he preached, he said, you are a bunch of stiff-necked people. <laughs> they got mad at him. He said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And what he was saying is God has sent himself in God the Father. God has sent his Son in Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins. And you must believe in him and trust in him. And in the day of Pentecost, God sent his Holy Spirit. And he poured it out upon all people. And he's telling you, you've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you've rejected all three of them. So therefore, God takes your blessings as a people and he is saying no more for you and he's going to give it to another people in order to make you jealous and come to him. And he told them these things are going to happen. And then all of a sudden, now here we are in the day of the church. Ever since Paul preached the word of God, ever since Peter preached the word of God, here we are thousands of years later, we're still preaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ and waiting on the kingdom of God to come. And we're waiting to be raptured out of here. That's why Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Amen. He's saying, what is he saying in that scripture? He's saying the mystery of where we are right now is, is something that was not revealed to Daniel. That's why in Daniel chapter number 12, you know what God told him, Keith? He said in Daniel chapter number 12, Daniel seal up the book and closed it because it is not going to be revealed unto your eyes. You know why? Because God's doing a work that it doesn't matter what you think about it or not, God's doing a work. And God says, I've got to work. Jesus came on the scene and he talked about how he came into the house, the lost house of Israel and the lost sheep of Israel. You remember that? But then he turned around and he said, but i got another fold that you don't know of. Hey, man, you, you ought to insert a bye right there. That's me and you. Amen? Bye. It don't matter if you're black sheep, white sheep. Amen? I know some of you think you're black sheep of the family and stuff. We're, we're, we that have received Jesus as our Savior, we're part of that fold. And now here we are. And the Bible says that these things did not happen, but it was prophesied about. Isaiah told about it. Now listen, hang with me. Isaiah told about it. Joel told about it. Jesus talked about it. Peter preached about it and used Joel as an illustration. And you know what people are tempted to do? Well, Brother Steve, it never came. It never came. It never came. Just because it has not come yet does not mean it is not coming. 
I was cutting grass one day on the side of a bank, and used to when I cut for the city of Fultondale, I used a flail mower, sidearm mower, and I'd, I'd cut ditches and all that in places where people couldn't reach. And I had many, many people that come up to me and offer me a shiny quarter if I'd cut their ditch line. And I'd always tell them, I can't do it. You know, I'd get fired. They always tell me that I'd get fired. And, well, I got a $5, and I'm going, I told you I can't do it. <laughs> you know, I couldn't. A guy come up to me one day, and he was asking me to cut this huge bank. And I said, man, I can't do this. It's around 31 Highway. You know what I mean? If I was really wanting to be a center, maybe on the back road, but I can't do it out here. I said, I can't do that for you. And he said, well, I'll go down there and talk to him. I said, well, that's fine. If you get them to prove it, you can do it. And he said, uh, so what else do you do besides cutting grass as though, like, you know what I mean? And I was like, well, he gave me a Coke. He gave me a shiny Coke. And uh, trying to woo me in is what he was doing. And I said, uh, I'm a preacher. And he said, oh, he was 82 years old. He said, ah, oh, like that. And I went, what's wrong with the preacher? <laughs> he said, you really believe all that stuff about Jesus and that Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming soon? He said, son, and now he's moved from like wanting me to cut his yard to now I'm his son. He said, son, he said, ever since I was a little boy, I've heard that Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming. He ain't come yet. And I said, I don't mean to disrespect you. I said, but that doesn't mean he's not coming. You got to understand that maybe he's being gracious unto you and he is reaching out in long suffering to you and he has sent me this way not to cut your grass to tell you about Jesus. Amen? Yeah, absolutely. I told him about Jesus and shared Jesus with him. Listen, that's some of the greatest times. Cutting grass and get a pause, turn it off and tell him about Jesus. Why? Because just because he hasn't come yet and because the sun hasn't turned dark and the moon turned as blood and all that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. What it means when you read it in Isaiah and you read it in Joel and you read it from Jesus and you read it from Peter, it means that we have a long-suffering and merciful God that is not willing that any should perish, but He continues to withhold His wrath. He continues to hold it back. Here's number two. We've got to move on. Y'all have to stop amening me. Listen, look at this. There is a delusion among all humanity. There's a delusion. There's this it's almost as if they're just totally blinded in certain things. Look at verse number 15. It says, And the kings of the earth, and great men, and the rich men. It says, And chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man. It says, Hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. You know, verse number 15 gives us a great understanding of what the first three and a half years of the tribulation is going to actually be like. In the first three and a half years of the tribulation, we would think because we're the church that when we're gone, that the whole world's going to be just going, oh, boo-hoo. And they're going to be crying and they're going, oh, no, no, no. I got news for you. The people that didn't love the church and didn't love Jesus and didn't love God ain't going to look for you when you're gone. I'm telling you. This world is going to be delusional. This world, it says, look look at how the Bible says in this verse right here, the kings of the earth. When you look at that, it shows us that in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, that kingdoms are actually going to come together and they're still going to be ruling and reigning. And we think when the church is gone that everything's going to stop, amen? But it's not. They're going to still be producing and still be coming together. As a matter of fact, do you know what's going to happen, Brother Brian? The Antichrist is going to be stretching his hand out to them, and he's going to be taking this king from this kingdom, and he's going to be uniting him with this king of this kingdom, and kingdoms are going to rise. But they all have an ulterior motive, and that is to be absolute number one. 
And pride is going to fill the heart. Look, it says kings of the earth. It says the second thing, there will be great men. You know what great men it's talking about? It's this ecumenicanism. It's talking about how they're all going to come together and want to be one. There's going to be this oneness of the earth. And you say, well, how could that happen, Brother Steve? Well, when the church is taken out of here, and all of us that have prayed that God would protect babies in the womb. Are y'all, y'all be with me this morning. Give me a little time to preach. Protecting babies in the womb, protecting babies. Man, I, I heard stories yesterday that it just makes me sick at my stomach. Man came and spoke to us about children's home. And a little boy, 10 years old, that dad would put cigarettes out on his back after abusing him, molesting him. And I was going, God, how could that, Lord, that's horrible. You know, what, you know what's going to happen when the church is raptured out of here? All of those good grandmothers, the Loises and the Eunices, that are praying for their grandchildren and children and friends that are lost. All of those church bodies that are everywhere that people make fun of us of having in Alabama on every street corner. All of those churches will be emptied of true believers and prayers that they are praying that God forgive us. God forgive us. God forgive us as a nation. God forgive us of all of these things. And they're all out of here. Now all of those that only are concerned about their sinful thoughts, this world will become an absolute illustration of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they are now going to combine together because all of those naysayers that were against me in aborting my child, all of those that were against me in the lifestyle that I choose to live, all of those that were against all of this, they see that uh, we are against it. And what we're saying is, is that we're saying, God, that's going to take them. It's going to take their lives and their sins. And if they die in their sins, then they are going to die and suffer from the judgment and the wrath of the Lamb. When all of that is ejected out of here and we're evacuated out of those things, think of how the world will now come together because we've got nobody dividing us from the way that we really want to be. Are you listening? We've got no one coming against us. Then all of a sudden, kings of the earth will come together with other kings. Then all of a sudden, what will happen? Great men, people of notoriety, people of Fame, people of money will all come together. Look at these next words. Chief captains and mighty men will come together. God puts those things together. Chief captains, this is an illustration of how the Roman soldiers, that even the chief guards and mighty men would come together. That there's not going to be just this uh, sinful coming together, but now there's going to be this understanding that all of these people have gone, and we're going to have to fight, and we're going to have to build our military, and we're going to create one, and we're going to fight. Listen, but what's crazy about about this is that they're not building in the tribulation time a military to fight against that nation and this nation they're actually coming together and they're going to fight against Israel and the word of God in Revelation says this listen to it it says that they're coming together and they're going to try to fight against God that they say that their battle is with the lamb and I'm going to tell you something you're not going to win you're not going to win at all. And all of them are going to come together. Look at the next part. Bond men and free men. You know what that shows us? It doesn't matter if they are the poorest of the poor. Enslaved to whatever. Even the free men. It doesn't matter. They're all going to come together. But look at what it says. They're delusional. It says that they come together. And now look, Brother Craig. It says they hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. Why? Because the earth is quaking. Mountains are being moved. Islands are being removed. 
all of this stuff is happening. The sun is blackened like sackcloth. The moon is turned as blood. The stars or meteors and things are falling out of the sky, which leads us to this next point, church, is that there is a denial in the hearts. You would think, looking at this scripture, look at verse 16. It says, and they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. There's this denial. Man, it's like you would look at it and you would go, all right, Chicken Little said the sky is falling. Anybody ever watch Chicken Little? Besides me and Andrew and Jacob? The sky is falling. And you would think that when the sky is falling that people would run and they would run straight to God and go, oh, no. You would think that people, when they saw these things that are coming out of the cosmos and they're falling to the sky, stars, and, and Brother Carl, the moon turning as blood, the sun being darkened, not giving its heat off, the skies or the heavens closing together like a scroll closes together, mountains being moved, the whole geography of the earth is being transitioned and moving around. You would think that that would cause people to go, Oh, no, Father, help! But it's not what they do. Even in this wrath, Brother Butch, they still deny a holy God. They're still in denial in their hearts. It doesn't matter if they were raised with a silver spoon or they had nothing. They're still in denial of who God is. And, and, his wrath, and what that shows us, church, is that even in his love, people wouldn't believe. And even in his wrath, people won't believe. As a matter of fact, and become difficult. Some people think that the shaking of the heavens and the earth are atomic wars by men. You know what? And you think that. You say, well, because of atomic wars, that's what's going to cloud up the sky. And the sun's not going to be visible. And the moon would look like blood as it's kind of coming through. And all of these huge bombs and all of this stuff. And maybe you would be right. Maybe you, that, that's kind of a plausible idea. Maybe you think, okay, Brother Steve, I think that might be what it is. But I want to show you something in this scripture that clarifies it for me. That it's not atomic wars, it's not battles between men and men and kingdom and kingdom. But I, I want you to look at it. It says, and they said in the mountains fall and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. And look at this, and from the wrath of the Lamb. They're, they're not crying out because they fear North Korea. They're not crying out because they fear Kim Jong-un, you know, that's going to shoot an atomic bomb or a, a hydrogen bomb and all those things. That, it doesn't say in the scriptures that they were crying for the rock to fall on them because of the face of Kim Jong-un who rules in the land of North Korea. That's not what the scripture says. No, 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 no. This judgment, Brother Bill, is not coming from Korea, North Korea, South Korea, or anywhere. This judgment is coming from the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb of God. It's coming from the judgment seat of God. Listen, people, we look at it and we can try to classify it by our own brains and go, well, it's probably got to be this or got to be that. No, we've got to look at it for what it says. And it says it's God's judgment, and that's what they're afraid of. And they're in terror of that judgment. Here's the last thing, the disclosure of what's actually happening. The disclosure of what's happening. Look at Revelation 6, verse 16. The Bible says, and to the mountains and to the rocks, it said, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? The hardest thing for me to understand in Scripture is this one right here, the wrath of the Lamb. It's hard for me to understand that. You know what the Scripture teaches us, though? Brother Brandon, y'all go ahead and come on. You know what the Scripture teaches us? And, and, and bear with me, we're not, we're not completely finished yet. You know that when I call the people up here, we got like 15, 20 minutes left. Um, but you know that the Scriptures talk about the Lamb in the Old Testament. 
and that when Keith brought his lamb over there, he, as he touched it and placed his hand on it, it was an illustration of him putting his sin on that animal. God told them to do that for that reason. Um, and hopefully when Keith would look at that lamb or that, that bullock or whatever it was for the sin offering that he brought, that Keith would look at that animal and understand that because of his sin, that animal had to die. And it not only was just a regular animal. I mean, we could probably get by with all this and feel okay if it was just our little, rony, uh, uh, little scrawny runt of the animal. You know what I mean? If it was the one that was just gimped up, messed up, and all that. Or we had a, we had a, a, a bullet that fell off in a cliff and broke his legs and stuff like that, and it wasn't going to be good to us, and we could bring that one. But that's not the way God designed it. God designed it in a way where it would be costly. God designed it in a way where it would be something that actually hurt and took away from you. And so in order to do what? To, first of all, make you realize the precious value of that animal and how beautiful and perfect it is. But the second thing is so that you would understand that it's costly. It's costly. And that before you consider sinning again, you should consider Amen. that one that you already had slaughtered. And that you shouldn't go out and go, well, you know what? I got 10,000 of these, so, you know, I got a whole lot I can do. And that's a horrible mindset. And that's really a mindset of Satan. Satan's doing that and trying to convince you of that. It would cost them something. And if they didn't do that, listen, every year they had a thing come up. It's called Yom Kippur. It's called the Day of Atonement. And every year the priest had to go and he had to offer a sacrifice for his sins first before he could offer a sacrifice for the others. When he offered sacrifice for his and did that and was cleansed, then he had this solid white robe and the belt and the tunic on the hat. And he went out there and he uh, took one that was spotless, spotless lamb, and he offered it for the sins of all the people of Israel. And the blood that was shed there that day, it didn't matter if, it was, if they were a believer or an unbeliever. That blood was shed for the sins of those people the Bible talks about. Just like the Bible tells us that Jesus shed his blood for the sins of the world. Amen. The absolute entire world, the whole world. It, it didn't mean that God shed his blood only for you good people that are here today that have accepted him. No, 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 no. When that lamb was slaughtered, when that lamb in the Old Testament was slaughtered, it was slaughtered for the children of Israel, whether they believed or whether they didn't. You say, how do you know that, Brother Steve? I'm glad you asked questions like that. Because the Bible says that there were many of them that never made it out of the wilderness because of their unbelief. But the lamb every year, Brother Mosley, was still sacrificed and it was available for them and for their sins. But they must trust and believe. The Bible tells us as we move to the New Testament that that just wasn't good. That the law was weak. Not the law itself was weak, but that the law, according to you and to you and to me, our flesh, it was weak. And what it means is, is God's basically understanding and saying, look, you can't do it. You cannot keep the law. And through all of that time, that was just a shadow of what I was really going to come and do for you. And all of these things had to be fulfilled before we could ever get to this point. And what God tells us in his scripture, you ought to read your Bible. It's very, very good. It's, it's still a great number one seller. But what he's telling you, he says, all of those things that had to happen was to show you the value and the preciousness of Jesus when I was going to give my son. The story about Isaac and Abraham, God tells you today that that was really not about Isaac and Abraham as much as it was about me and the words that says, God himself shall provide a lamb. God was trying to say, look, I gave you that illustration because I was going to show you later my lamb that I was going to give. You know, 
So all the Bible, really, Old Testament points into where Jesus is going to step in and fulfill all of those things. Amen. That's why he is complete. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He became sin for us who knew no sin. Amen. Amen. That we would become the sons and daughters of God that we'd come in. So the Bible teaches us this, is that his sin, or excuse me, his blood was shed, Brother David, for the sins of the world. For, listen, in any that come and believe and trust that Jesus Christ is the one that atoned for their sins, that he took your place, Brother Carl, if you believe and trust that and that believe that he is the Son of God, his deity, and that he is Lord, it says, then all shall be saved. Yeah. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And what he's saying is, when you believe in the heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. Because what's in the well, the bucket brings up. Yeah. And he was saying, when you do this, he said, you're saved. You're saved. You're born again. I couldn't buy my salvation. I couldn't get dunked 40 times for it. I couldn't join a church for it. All of those things. I was saved because Jesus supplied the blood to atone for my sins at Calvary. And you know what? There's still enough to apply for your, uh, supply for yours, 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 everybody in here, everybody running up and down the road, everybody in the whole world. Listen, Jesus' blood is powerful enough to cleanse the sins of Kim Jong-un. Amen. 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 Yeah, there's a lot of church people that don't believe that, but that's true. He's got the power to cleanse sins. But the same power that's available and same forgiveness and same atonement, sacrifice that's available in order to cleanse of your sins and give you justification is the exact same blood that's going to judge you. It's going to judge you someday. You stand before God. Everybody thinks this is the way it's going to happen. They think there's going to be a big long line like it's the DMV or something or Six Flags ride. They think we're all going to stand in line. We're going to be goofing off before we get up there to the funeral. Let's do teenagers. We're going to be in a big long line, and I'm going to think about what I'm going to say and all that stuff. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you're not going to be able to say anything. The Bible says that those that were at the wedding and they did not have a garment were speechless before the Lord Matthew. And it says they were bound hand and foot and casting the outer darkness with their weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible tells us you're not going to go up to God and go, well, I, I was going to believe in you, but you didn't heal people of cancer or you didn't heal people, you didn't stop abortion. You're not going to talk to God like that. You're wrong. I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're deceived right now and you're in denial. You're not going to talk to him like that. No, nope. I believe with all my heart, you're going to hear one of two things. You're either going to hear, enter into the joy of the Lord. All those things that God's prepared. All of them. Or you're going to hear, depart from me, you work of iniquity. And I believe with all my heart, it's going to come down to this one thing. God saying, what did you do with the blood of my son? Did you accept it for your atonement? Or did you trample over it? Because it can either justify you or it can judge you. That's the choice. That's what happens. Listen to this scripture right here. The Bible says in John chapter 3, you know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son. You know what only talking about and begotten? It's a Greek word that means uh, monogenes. It means monogenes. It means one gene. It means that it's God's son. It's not Joseph's son. It's God's son. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Please listen to this. Pay attention. I know you think you know it, but tie it together with revelation. That whosoever believeth in him should not die or perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. See, when God sent his son into the world to die for us, to offer his blood... He didn't do that in condemning the world. No, no, no. When God sent his son to die for us, 
It wasn't in condemnation. No, it was for our justification. That's a big churchy word for this right here. Is that if you're wrong and God sets you right, he puts you over here in the right because of the blood of his son. It means he's justified you. It means that when you stand before a judge, you have been justified. And if you really break down just the word itself, it means that he forgives you in such a way that it is just if I'd never sinned. Justified. He says God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world. That's where we're at right now. When we preach the cross of Calvary, we're not preaching condemnation. Preachers, you need to wake up and pull them fingers back. And you need to pull out the whole hand when you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he didn't send his son to condemn the world. But look at what it says. But the world through him might be saved. Look at this. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Come on. Somebody say, that's me. Come on. Some of you ought to be listening. I know some of you right now, some of you preachers especially, is thinking about Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen. He says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But here, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Church, what this is talking about is the simple message. And you said, Brother Steve, how does this sixth seal apply to us Well, it applies in this way. If you're a believer here this morning, these things we're preaching about ought to make you more energetic to share the gospel with people. It ought to make you more urgent in your soul winning and in your outreach. It ought to make you more concerned of looking at someone that cusses you out, that manipulates you and uses you, and it ought to make you more concerned because when these things unfold and these things happen, you don't want them to be here. The Bible says in this tribulation time, Brother Craig, hard for me to understand this. Instead of them going, oh God, I believe, they run into the dens and they say, rocks fall on us. Instead of saying, rock of ages, save me, they're asking for death. Just end it all quickly. You know what the horrible truth of it all is? They may die with the rocks falling on them. Their bodies in Revelation chapter number 20 will be resurrected and they will enter, Brother Mosley, into eternal and eternal damnation and eternal death. Even if you cried for the rocks to cry out upon you, that's only for a short amount of time until you face an eternal damnation. It ought to make you look at your friends This whole series ought to make you go, you got to get saved. You got to come. You got to get saved. You don't know. That stuff is not meant. God doesn't want you to go through that. He doesn't want the wicked to suffer. He doesn't want all of that to happen. He wants them to be saved. And that sixth seal opened up. Either God's blood will judge you or to justify you. If you're not saved today, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I don't know how many more times I could tell you. That it's not about the wrath. Don't think because, all right, I'm going to go through the tribulation and the wrath is going to really make me surrender my life. You're in denial. It didn't make them. You know who else it didn't make? Pharaoh. If you read the Old Testament, you would think 
Moses said, Pharaoh, if you don't let my people go, God's going to send these things. Oh, tell him not to do that. But then he only did it with his fingers crossed behind his back. And look, what happened? God sent the plague. Oh, no, please ask him to take it away. God gave opportunity, 10 opportunities for him. But you know what happened, Brother Mosley? With each time of rejection, like I talked about last Sunday in that boiled egg, with each time of rejection, the wrath of God judging the Egyptians didn't make him repent. And it ain't going to make you repent. Locking somebody up, some of them in prison for all of their life and letting them out for one day, it ain't, some of them are not being corrected because, see, the problem is not in the rehabilitation. The problem's in here. The problem's in the heart. Right? Yeah. You, know, you, can, you can whoop that kid all day long sometimes. Right? The problem's in here. You get this fixed, this gets fixed. You get this fixed, hey, men, women, this right here gets fixed. And, and God knows we, we need some fixing. I don't know how it's hitting you. I don't know if it's you, friends, family that need to be saved. I don't know if it's you that needs to be saved. But I, what I do know is this, is that there's enough blood at Calvary's heel. There's enough blood that was shed for the sins of the world. And that he will save you and save you exact same way he saved me and he saved these and he'll save those others your friends your family you need to get up and you need to tell them you need to tell them before it's too late amen will you join me this morning stand